Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the fantastic series Ghosts with so many of the wonderful cast members from the series. We are joined today by cast members Rose McIver, Danielle Pinnock, Asher Grodman, Brandon Scott-Jones, Richie Moriarty, Roman Zaragoza, Sheila Carrasco, Rebecca Wazaki, and Devin Chandler Long. And Rose, starting with you, one of the things that I love with Sam is it feels like because she's one of the, the human characters against the ghosts and she hasn't been kind of set in her ways for decades or hundreds of years, that there's a lot more ability to allow growth into her as a character and to kind of have her acknowledge her mistakes and, and try to fix things and admit a lot of her vulnerabilities. And I was interested in kind of how playing a human character against the ghosts gives you a lot more scope for, for growth and evolution in the character than more of kind of the minute versions of growth that we tend to see in a lot of the ghost characters alongside her. Great um, analysis and observation. Yeah, yeah, I think Sam is... Minute. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think that there is something Sam has uh, really you know, some significant kind of issues with her own family. She's a very impressionable person. I think she's really incredibly eager to please and accommodate. And I think she really struggles because suddenly she's landed with these eight new family members, essentially, um, who she coexists with and cohabitates with that all think really differently. And that, the, you know, you can't please everybody all of the time. You can only, what is that? What is that great? You can own, you can please some of the people all the time, or you can please all of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. And I think for Sam, it's like that she really does not believe that um, going into this experience. And so she has to learn like that. She's kind of got to find out who she is based on her relationships and her reactions to the world around her. And it's interesting, you know, you think that by the time I'm 34 and by this age that you sort of have got a sense of who you are ish, but it, you don't, I mean, I feel like this in my own life too. I'm just constantly reevaluating and, and hopefully in a way that, um, that I'm proud of, you know, that it's like you, you followed this map your whole life and, and suddenly you kind of encounter these really different experiences that make you sort of wonder if that is what you want to be following and exactly what you still believe. So it's an incredible opportunity to be pitted against all of these different perspectives. And, and she does have a lot to grow and learn from, but she's also stubborn as hell. Um, so she, it's, it's a journey. And, and I think, I mean, I think the ghosts have done a phenomenal job at, at exemplifying growth given they've been around for, you know, hundreds, at you know, many of them, many hundreds of years to be able to still change and evolve. And um, I think there's like a very important message in that. Yeah, and, and Danielle, and coming over to you and talking about Alberta, you know, she's got such charisma and presence and kind of even in the afterlife has this drive to, to become really renowned. But then we also get the chance to see through a lot of her backstory, the vulnerability that comes with the genesis of that for her in terms of what it means to her family, what it means from the time period that she comes from as well. Um, and so I was interested in how you've kind of approached playing this character with kind of all the showmanship and all the bravado that, that comes with who she is, but also the intimacy and the vulnerability of where it all stems from. Well, I have to say the thing that's been most exciting for season two is that we, I feel like we're demystifying what it means to be a strong black woman. I think when I say Alberta is a hot mess with a heart of gold, I say that with love because black women should be able to be vulnerable. We should be able to be messy. We, we get to see this delicious diva kind of fall apart a little bit in season two. You know, season one was all about like, yes, I'm going viral, I'm famous and all of that stuff. But now we get her to see her kind of explore, oh, do I want a romantic relationship with Pete? I don't know, I, I, can, I, can I do this? 
we see her fall apart at the seams with her really dear friend, Hetty, you know, who has been gaslighting her for the last hundred years about who murdered her. We see her, you know, doing, we see her wanting to become a parent for the first time when her niece, you know, gets to the mansion. So it's been incredibly, um, it's been an honor being able to breathe life into Alberta's life. And I have to say that like, even as we were talking about this earlier, um, the thing that I think is so fantastic about this show is yes, we're dealing with death and dying, dying and sometimes grief. And those topics usually are heavier. We're doing it with a comedic spin, but it also has made me through Alberta want to live life even more. So, you know, I don't want to live a life with regret. You know what I mean? I want to fail. I want to thrive. I want to live my life without apology. You know what I mean? I think season one, when I was doing the show, I had a lot of imposter syndrome because it was my first time as a series regular. You know, I'm a theater girl through and through and then got a, a couple of co-stars, you know, but I never really got to build a character up in TV from the ground up. So I felt, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? And this is in creative company. I was in the best company. You know what I mean? Like going to work every day feels like going to the comedic Olympics. So I have to say thank you to this cast for giving me that confidence to play Alberta and for always cheering me on. And also to our incredible writers who've written this amazing three-dimensional black woman and they steered away from the stereotypes that usually plus size black women have to play. I, I and our showrunners who are so open, you know what I mean, to hearing um, our input sometimes and in how we see these characters. So to answer your question, season two has been fabulous. <laughs> I've been really able to stretch my wings as an actor and um, it's been incredible uh, playing Alberta in both seasons. And I can't wait to see what's on for her for season three. I really love that answer. And it feels like the second season has given so much more scope in terms of, of all of the characters. And, and Asher, in coming over to you and talking about playing Trevor with no pants on, um, you know, when we first met him, it was, there's no one who's a bigger fan of Trevor than Trevor himself. Um, but there's been so many spaces where you've been able to kind of open up the scope of this character in terms of what are his priorities, you know, the way that he's always chased attention, girls, money, and through his relationship with Hetty, his relationship with the rest of the ghosts, he's really started to kind of, not all the time, but like have these little moments and inflections of reassessing if that's really what's important or if it's the people around him. Um, and so I was interested in how the second season and writing those aspects into the character has really kind of opened up a lot of that space and, and allowed you to kind of have these very little kind of like lovely moments of of, of intimacy and vulnerability with a character that didn't necessarily come straight out of the gate with that? No, that's that's a very fun question. Uh, thank you. Um, I think uh, the writers have done such a good job. And I guess uh, one of the fun things about this show is that you have a lot of time to sit and think about who you are in your life, these characters, right? And um, and options are, are limited because you can't leave the house. You're not living life the way you did. Uh, so everything becomes um huge every little moment becomes huge uh and so there's been a lot of fun opportunities working with rebecca which was something that um i had been lobbying for from from day one i thought the two of them would be a very fun combustible pairing uh and would do you know uh romantic romance and sex in their own very specific way um so it's been a lot of fun to to kind of um and i think this is with all the characters this is a show that kind of moves forward by going backwards, if that makes any sense, where we learn more about these people and then every little seed we plant just enriches the present moment. 
So going back and meeting Trevor's family and then how, what does that mean for where we've been and where we're going? Um, we just get to play both sides of, uh, uh, of the kind of the past to present uh, dynamic. And it's, it's just so much fun. Um, and also, again, that thing of taking the very mundane and accessible and making it seem enormous is something the show does. It's very special. Yeah. Can I just hype up Asher real quick? Because um, I just want to give him his flowers on this call, because the thing is, this character could be an asshole through and through. But the nuance and expertise that he's given this uh, Trevor has been mind blowing to watch. The moment to moment work that this actor is doing, Asher Grauman, is incredible. And the scenes between him and Hetty are fucking sexy. Sorry, I know I'm probably not supposed to be cussing on this thing. I'm ghetto, okay? So this is the thing, I just have to say that you're in creative company. The yeah, <laughs> he has just killed it. You know what I mean? And really breathed life into Trevor in a way that has just been so special to watch him on set as well as when it airs on screen. So I just wanted to, that's my little thing. That's very, hype you. That's very sweet of you. And as you were talking, I just became the color of my shirt. So thank you uh, for doing that. <laughs> you did. Oh my I God. Did. <laughs> <laughs> you so face literally that's changed. So that's so sweet. You know, as long as we're giving flowers cool, here, yeah. I'd like to just reach out and say, you know, Richie Moriarty started a, uh, you know, a tribute <laughs> for White Snake. And it's called Pale Serpent. And um, Richie's been training all year. And he's actually, he's taking time out of his day because they're doing recordings right now for the first album. Yeah, sorry. I'm doing drums in here in, a, in, a, in about five minutes. So as soon as we wrap uh, this up, I'll be drumming away. Richie, Pale Serpent rocks, dude. <laughs> and Brandon, coming over to you, you know, you talked about Isaac, how when you first took on the role, you kind of saw him as being fairly grounded and he was much more reserved at the beginning because he had the secret that he'd been carrying for so much of his life and so much of the afterlife. Um, and it's been really beautiful to watch him kind of find his own skin in the afterlife in so many ways. And how has that changed the scope of playing the character and being able to play these that, you know, to a different emotional scope for him and have these kind of larger reactions and responses because he's not kind of paying attention to see how people are responding to things that he says and even just the physicality of the character changing for you as well. Ooh, um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's fun. It's it was wild this season to see him a little bit lighter. Like, I think so much of what season one was about was just carrying this like heavy a burden with him that or he what he felt was a burden and so to find spaces where he's sort of like happy it was almost like what does this feel like and um it was it was it was really fun i think to see him like physically change too of just like maybe like being a little bit more um like moving through a space with a little bit more of a jaunt um that now is retroactively justified to him <laughs> i guess um, but yeah, it's been it's been like a really lovely, lovely journey to to sort of see this character who was very grumpy and angry and for a lot of real reasons, get some of that lifted off of him, I think is is has been really fun and really challenging in a good way. But it's been great. It's been a good time. 
That's wonderful. And and Richie and playing Pete, even when you first auditioned, it, it feels like from the very beginning of the process, you were kind of given permission to make bigger choices for him as a character. And one of the showrunners kind of even made a reference to Ned Flanders from The Simpsons being part of what they envisioned in, in terms of his personality and his characteristics. And so how did that early permission in order to make bolder and bigger choices inform the way that you've kind of played him and developed him? Um, and then what comes with that in making sure that you're still always capturing you know, the more nuanced side of a character when you are leaning into the larger scope of who they are. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a really, it's a, it's very interesting because I, when I auditioned, I originally read him much more understated and much more like closer to how I saw my dad growing up, who's <clears throat> definitely got a little Flanders in him, but I'd say 10%, not 90. And the casting director at the time in New York asked me to read it bigger they said great let's do another take where you give it more energy you give it more of that like flanders energy and when i got the the call that i was going to come out and test in la i had to ask my reps hey can you ask them which take they preferred because i did two very different takes on pete and and they said the second take so i was like oh, okay great this is more what they're envisioning but that's always an interesting thing as an actor like you're you do you you come in with your own idea of what you want this to be and obviously it's influenced by the people who are at the helm of of the show so yeah being getting that sort of information that hey this is how we're seeing pete it definitely changed how i viewed the character it certainly you know uh greatly influenced how i played it in the pilot and like you know it's it's really it's not until you do the character in those first couple scenes that you get you start to get the feel for who this guy is also when you put on the wardrobe for the first time and you're wearing this arrow in your neck like all of that informs who the person is but but yeah i think you know pete is very unlike me in a lot of ways. I am more pessimistic. I am more cynical, I think. And it's really it's fun. Miserable to be around. Really? Yeah, it's hard. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. a good yeah. guy. Terrible person. Just like ordering food with Richie. It is so oh. difficult. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what it's like. It's it's this. All right. Oh, this is fucking taste like shit. <laughs> I was gonna say, Richie, that it's like with that generosity though of energy that Pete has and that you that you bring to Pete, what I think is such an incredible way, like you handle it so deftly that like everything is right here. And it's like his his willingness and his enthusiasm and everything's right here, but like his vulnerability is right there too. And when we've seen you snap and we've seen like that's the flip side that comes with being a character that is you know kind of I would say on the front foot a lot of the time and you know he's his energy forward and that there's just those heartbreaking moments that we've had where we see how um how sort of exposed you are when you're that person um and you've done such an amazing job like credit where credit's due at, at able to do like the big and the broad and the elements of that and then also just like really Turn, turn that around and, and kind of make us look, you know, tear up in, in the tent, you know, after we've heard just come back from a scene with you. Yeah. Thanks, Rose. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's been so fun. I mean, like, uh, you know, all, all, like everyone has said, the more we learn about these characters, the more they inform the choices we make. And the more we, we are all so excited anytime we learn anything else about their history. And like, you know, it really fills out the picture for us. And it makes makes each subsequent episode more fun to play when you know more about their history. So we're hoping to do this for a long time. You know, it's been so great. 
I hope so too. And and Roman, it, with Sasapis being, you know, one of the oldest ghosts, there's such a concept in terms of his personality, in terms of who he was when he was alive, but also who he's become over the course of the last few hundred years, where he's developed, you know, frustrations and resentments and, you know, more of an acerbic tone. But when we see elements of who he was alive, it feels like he was a much more positive and upbeat person. And I love the way that you're able to kind of play both of those sides alongside each other and even just the push and the pull and kind of through the journey of of Sam and coming into the house and kind of having this friendship and and this real sense of family that it brings him closer back to who he was when he was alive before it was the afterlife for him. And so how have you kind of built and continued to coexist that relationship and have it always evolve for him? Yeah. Wow. Um, I think that's been a really cool, fun, fun part about seeing the evolution of this character over the last two seasons. And I got to hand it to the writers. Um, they gave me so much to play with. And and uh, anytime I talked to Joe Port and Joe Wiseman, they were always like, well, we just want to bring more of you into the character. And that was fun because um, we got to see this like romantic side of Sass and we got to see this, you know, when he was alive and with his dad, he was trying to live up to his father and he was trying to do all these things. He wanted to be someone, he, wanted, he was passionate about things. Um, because when I first, um, you know, booked the job, it was very much like, hey, he's cynical, he's sarcastic. And, um, and he's like, you know, can be the voice of reason. And I'm like, okay, cool, that's who he is now. But like, how did he get here? And uh, so I think it's been a lot of fun to to play the the duality of who he was when he was alive and who he has become through this afterlife. And uh, so it's fun to see that push and that pull. So I appreciate you saying that. And and I'm excited to see like the farther we go and and uh, and how he can, you know, continue to bring this forward and to see that the more romantic and and um, shy and reserved part of him and but also see this like pessimistic blunt um old man and uh so it's, it's a lot of fun I, I love playing him and and uh yeah it's so fun so there, there are some days where i have to be really grumpy or i have to be uh you know pessimistic and i, I literally will will be cry laughing before a take because rishi moriarty is 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 messing with me and i have to just like rishi was uh, always singing white snake songs on <laughs> And now exactly. we know always, why. Always things. No, but like seriously, I will be cry laughing with everybody, right. and then have to just be like, "What? This is whatever." I hate my life, and and it's 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 so fun to <laughs> to to uh, to just be on that set. I I always. I, I always keep telling my friends I'm so sad that you can't come visit the set yet um, because of COVID and all that stuff because it's such a fun set to be on and also the set is incredible the set design um, but uh, yeah it's just a good time and I, I just love being part of this amazing team. So great and, and Sheila I wanted to ask you about you know one of the aspects of your performance that feels like such a kind of probably an underrated skill in terms of playing around with flowers lucidity awareness and presence in situations because it feels like in every single scene that you go into there's an element of choice at play in terms of is she fully aware of where she is is she fully paying attention and aware of the conversation around her does she remember what was happening just before and sometimes it's all different directions within a scene because it's constantly changing and in motion for her um, and so how do you set about going into scenes and making those choices and then finding what that looks like for the character in these different stages of presence yeah well I think I, I try to go into it without overthinking it too much and really just thinking about how um, 
it'll best serve the story. And really the writing will just give me a clue. Like my, what are my lines in this scene? Am I, am I lucid or am I not? Cause it's usually pretty clear. But for me, I have these like little rules of flowers world, which is um, either she's like deep in an acid flashback. That's like when she's really in it and, you know, she can't remember what she just said three seconds ago. And then she also has this like baseline of like, okay, when she died, she was definitely high, probably a little weed. And then, you know, some lingering mushrooms, but like, you know, she's chill. She can have a conversation. And then she drops into these really grounded, lucid moments of like flower, no, no drugs, just present, like maybe even pre pre cult, you know, obviously pre death, um, where she just remembers everything perfectly. And so I try to live within those three worlds and just commit to one of those fully, if that makes sense, depending on what the scene means. It does. And, and Rebecca, when it comes to playing Hetty, you know, it feels like she's the most rooted in, in terms of who she is throughout in a lot of ways, but she does have these kind of small revolutions like the washing machine or learning about feminism, um, you know, but at the same time, she still always turns around and sees herself as like the lady of the house and everybody under her order. And so it feels like you have to make very kind of nuanced choices in terms of how much of an evolution and how much of a change is she going to make based on these experiences versus how much is she still going to remain rooted in who she's always been. And I, I love that I've heard you describe it as like she always changes just enough for everybody around her to keep trying. Um, and so how do you find those elements of change without ever pulling her too far away from her core? Uh, well, again, it's all credit goes to the, the writers who have all of those things in mind by design. Um, and uh, also, you know, you mentioned at the start of this conversation about about growth and, and how it seems like the ghosts have grown so little or just in little fits and starts. And, and Sam has had, you know, the livings have had so much growth. I feel like since Sam has come to us we've kind of been on this fast track renaissance of growth. We've been in this house, in this situation, as you know, in this purgatory with no movement, no possibility uh, for change for some of us thousands of years, hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden a living comes to be there and, and, and disrupts what we think is possible, what we thought was possible about ourselves. I think to answer that question, I mean, I, I mentioned Rose's, Rose and Rose's character because so so much of what Hetty thought was possible for herself has been influenced very greatly very recently by seeing her descendant, by seeing Samantha there. So much of what she thought was true or what she needed to be, she's now discovering was all a lie or was never her own opinion or possibly she never had her own opinion. So there, there's so many there's so many things that they've allowed me to kind of play with. So many ideas that they that they get to introduce through this stick in the mud very class oriented, gender role oriented woman from this period of time that let's be honest, I mean, had a lot of unkind, unsavory opinions about other classes, other races, other people, other, you know, genders, other sexual, I mean, all these other things. I mean, that they can manage so artfully to make, to, to, to get into these rather provocative things about history, about American history, and then also do it with such levity and 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 um and surprise and that I and that my character manages to be somehow still relentlessly adorable. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that, that all those things seem possible is um, is is fascinating to me. Incredibly fun to play. And and uh, to answer your question, how do I calibrate that how, that nuance? I mean, I I take a cue from the you know from from the writing, as 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 Sheila said. I think you know they they know just when to utilize these ghosts as ridiculous children, id-based children characters, who who can say and do things that seem possibly very, uh, also as you said in talking to to Richie, like large choices, but they're so grounded in th these characters ignorance in these moments of, of what something that they're saying really means or or, or, what, or whatever they, they manage to be grounded choices so they can swing for the fences with that comedy uh and then also slip in these very provocative um statements about american history and i i find it to be really inspiring and i'm I, it's it's a pleasure to to get to be not only in this company as we also clearly love and respect one another, but to be, you know, in a show that incites this kind of community and fun and also conversation. Some would say in creative company. <laughs> um, someone. Let's do. We'll send you the check later. <laughs> I work for this place. <laughs> and Devin, I also wanted to ask you about playing Thor because you've got this character who, you know, in, in one degree is a product of his time in that his his fury and his brutishness and his anger can come to the surface, but he's also so incredibly soft and vulnerable as a character, you know, and especially with his relationship with Flower or kind of finding his son again, we've really gotten to see so many sides of that. Um, and so wanted to ask you particularly about just the, the coexistence of those two sides of him and really kind of allowing both of them to be fully present in him as a character. Yeah. Thorfinn's basically like, uh, he's like an icebreaker. He's just a, a ship that is headed to the North Pole and is just breaking through icebergs. And it's just whatever way he's sailing, that's North. And he's searching for Santa Claus, you know? He's like, get out of my way. I'm breaking it up. Also, let's have some fun. And, you know, and that's what it is. That's the, the dichotomy there. You know, it's like at one moment, it's like all this violence and just like this way, but also it's like, dude, where's Santa Claus at? And that's <laughs> Thorfinn. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we could all take a page out of Thorfinn. You know? I thought Thorfinn didn't like Santa Claus. But also, oh. yeah, pillage your I way mean, to Santa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He should say, Devin has villages and then plant tools. Rebecca, you know Rebecca, what were you going to say? I'm, I'm trying, Devin, to throw you flowers with laurels because yeah. you deserve them. Devin has this wonderful, disruptive, insane, bananas way of just saying the most seemingly absurd thing. He does. He is that icebreaker. He easily pushes through these flows of us, and he's some. He seems to be possibly even irreverent in the things that he says sometimes. But he always he has said some of the most incredibly beautifully essentially true things about our show and yes. in our company. It, in I am company. It's like giving black granddad, if I'm being honest, like a black granddad on the porch, like where they're speaking mm. of metaphors and you're like, I may not get this right now, but I know in 15 years, I'm going to use this and it's going to, it's going to saturate me to my bones and it's going to be good. You know, he's <laughs> nourishing. 
you know, with what's on it and how he plays that character as well, too. Some people say I'm a bone broth, and uh, okay. you know, if I'm in the fridge, I'm quite you right I'm, I'm hot and smooth and, and I'll nourish you. Yeah. If you also make me break more than anybody on set, every time it's, it's I mean, it's like you're just random riffs and stuff, but it's also when you speak really gently, something about when you speak really tenderly as Thorfinn and you just milk this stuff. It's it's the funniest thing to me. I little story. There was a bit of that cinnamon scene oh. that killed too me. long because he took like half an hour. Cinnamon. It was amazing. Cinnamon. That was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it was, Sheila. Yeah, Sheila. Good job, Sheila. <laughs> and then for, for all of you, you know, in terms of the scope of playing these characters, I was it really, really fascinated by how you kind of always consciously think about what is their, what is their space of knowledge and information that they have and that they know in the world, because it's not just a case of, okay, if they lived 500 years ago or they lived 50 years ago, these are the cultural references and things that they would know because they've obviously also had the opportunity to learn so much from each other along the way. And then we even see so many moments of them learning new things, new phrases, new cultural references in the space of the show. And so how do you all kind of go into scenes and, and look at what's being discussed and think about your character's perspective based on the knowledge that they would have from both when they were alive and what they've learned from each other? We do a lot of talking about that. Sorry. I love the, the, like, I feel like one of the things the writers do for Pete is they like, they, he <laughs> keeps making 80s references around like Thorfinn or Sestapis. And I'm like, you don't know who that is? And it's like, no, dude, they don't. <laughs> like, I feel like there's something very funny that Pete just keeps on his own references and doesn't even, is flabbergasted when he finds out that people from other eras don't get who Woody Allen is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or that history repeats itself sometimes. Like the podcast, Alberta was like, isn't that just radio? Like, what what are we do? What are we really doing here? Like, that's yeah. literally just mm -hmm. it's just radio, y'all. Let's stop trying to make it fancy. <laughs> well, it's it's such a phenomenal show, and I love everything that you've all done with these characters in making them so layered and so textured. So congratulations on two fantastic seasons. Hopefully, we get many more in the future. And thank you so much to all of you for talking about this. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you. Questions. Phenomenal. And some would say you were truly the creative company. <laughs> <laughs>